Welcome to Lead a Horse to Water, the equine podcast for behaviour and training enthusiasts. I'm Trudy Dempsey, a behaviour consultant and positive trainer based in the southwest of England. You can find me online at equinetrainingandbehaviourist.com, on Facebook and Instagram. Check out my latest courses at understandhorses.com, a new online equine education platform where you can find clear, well-presented content that is easy to understand and useful to everyone from owners to industry professionals. If you'd like to leave me a review, drop me a message on Facebook, via my website, or hit the voicemail button at anchor.fm forward slash Trudy Dempsey. I'm happy to hear your questions or suggestions for future podcasts. Welcome to episode six of Leader Horse to Water. Today, I am super excited to introduce you to a very special guest. Andrea Harrison is an educator who is passionate about all species, including dogs, horses and humans. She has taken her positive message to the media many times, including appearances on TV shows, in print, radio, podcasts and more. Andrea has worked with a wide variety of people as an educator for decades. The science of brain research fascinates her. Helping students of all ages be successful, reduce anxiety and stress and manage their time by using her training in counselling, personality typing and experiences matters to her. Her competitive addictions are now dressage and scent work though agility and eventing will always have a special place in her heart. Andrea and her animals have earned many ribbons and titles together. Her superstar dog Sally was the canine lead in the feature film Saving Dinah. Andrea attained B-Level Pony Club before ageing out and then completed her Level 1 coaching certification. A passionate life learner, one of her favourite parts of teaching and coaching is the learning it allows her to do. You can find out more about Andrea and what she's up to at andreaharrison.ca. Andrea, a very warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Trudy. I'm so excited to be here. What a neat thing that we can be chatting across an ocean, eh? It is incredible, isn't it? And just to, to paint the picture, I met Andrea earlier this year and we were just saying how uh, this year's seems to be a very long year. It was only back in May that I met Andrea when I was her room host for her presentation in the Lemonade Conference from the IABC. And uh, Andrea's talk blew me away and a lot of other people. Um, Her topic was imposter syndrome and so many people in the Q&A room afterwards were so supportive of each each other. It was the Q&A that I loved the most of the whole conference because it it really was a coming together of people to support each other. Some people had had a a rough time as trainers and finding support for themselves. And and Andrea, really, it was like all of us were going, she's talking about me. (laughs) It was just (laughs) fantastic. So uh, that's how Andrea and I met. And I was really so pleased that she agreed to come onto the podcast. Now, what I've been asking people to do to set the scene, Andrea, is to just tell us a bit about how you got into positive training with 
your animals. I mean, I'm fascinating. I think there could be a whole podcast on, on just your dog, Sally. Uh, but yeah, give us a clue. How did you get into positive training um, with your animals? Yes, yeah, such a good question, Trudy. And you know, one I haven't had the chance to share the story of very often, which is interesting, isn't it? Um, really, I would say that horses in many ways brought me to the concept that being positive in what I did was, was a good thing. I had an off-the-track thoroughbred um, named Bo Cavalier. And we used to win many, many equitation classes because I didn't ride him with a stick and I didn't ride him with spurs. He was quite sensitive and quite hot, as they say. And um, it, back in that day, people weren't as worried about liability, I suppose. So they would quite often swap the top four riders. They'd just switch horses. And so all these lovely other beautiful riders, probably in many ways much sort of classically more beautiful than I, would get on bow with a stick or spurs or both, use them, and he would start bucking in the ring. And so the judges really had no choice but to move me up because I'd get on. And I mean, I wasn't always as kind as I should have been or would have been today, I suppose. But I would always be fairly gentle, right? Use the lightest aids possible and then get the horse going. And, you know, just that very, like, that must have happened probably more times than I could count on my hands where that I would move from maybe being third or fourth to first because of that. And it really made me sort of stop and think, why does this keep happening? And it was just because of the connection. So when I started thinking about the connection between me and my equine partner, when I started working with our dog um, in university, I had a golden retriever who um, was brought to me because he couldn't be managed in his house. He was quite difficult. He'd roll over and just lie there and wouldn't move. So you couldn't get him in a car. You couldn't get him out of a car. You couldn't get him out the back door. So he was, he was in my family. And so my family member said, can you take him, do boot camp with him for a few months? And one day he was walking down the road and he started to pull. And I, I stopped and I braced the leash against my hip and I flipped this dog not meaning to flip them, but I did. By the way, I corrected the pull. Um, a dog who was heavier than I was, just because I'd been a horse person for so long, I used my body and he went over and that horrified me. And, and that day really was the day where I thought there has to be a more um, organized way that I can work on building this relationship with these animals that mean so much to me. Why am I being so cruel was the way I looked at it then. And that was a long time ago. That was 30 years ago. <laughs> I can't be that old Trudy, but it must have been at least 30 <laughs> years ago. And, you know, since then, the evolution has really been toward towards more and more and more positive training, right? All the time. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate all the people who can say I am entirely positive. I am only force free. I never use a correction. And, you know, for me in my life, I use, um, Lima works much better for me. I mean, I, I don't ever deliberately go out to hurt an animal ever. Um, but I'll tell you if my somewhat naughty horse is going to nip at my farrier, um, I will, you know, correct on the lead shank because yes. I think safety is super important for the horse and the people. Um, but I've certainly, the evolution of it has been a long time, but very consistent journey forward. There've been a lot more steps forward than steps back since I made that decision more than 30 years ago, if I think back to that horse. Yeah, I can't believe it's 30 years, Andrea. You're far too young for it to be a 30 years ago. But, <laughs> but what I'm, I'm really interested in how you felt, were the differences and difficulties with the horses and applying it compared to, say, the dogs? 
Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me with the horses was in the horse world, it's been a much slower journey. I think probably the same because I've been listening to your podcast since we chatted um, in Britain as in North America. But the positive horse world is um, often gets caught in sort of people saying, oh, you know, the positive people are afraid to ride their horses, you know, as opposed to saying the positive people are trying to figure out how to translate what we know works in the stall and in the ground onto horseback. How do, how do I bring that forward? So there's a negative um, bias towards positive training in Canada. And so bringing it into horses has been much more slow for yes. me personally, because I've had a lot less resources I can lean on to figure out how, like it was very easy for me to give up a stick and a spur. I did that a long, long time ago. Yeah. And I go to a clinic and a clinician will say to me, you know, here, I'll just hand you the whip. And I say, we're going to figure this out some other way. <laughs> and they say, oh, really? Oh, okay. Or, you know, or I'll go to a show and somebody will say, well, at this type of show, you can carry a whip. And I say, well, that's fine. I don't carry a whip at home. Why would I carry one here in the ring? Right. Yeah. Um, but that's really about the only um, forward way that the only off the farm way I have to sort of promote the positive message locally. And with the dogs, I mean, I have I don't know, on my Facebook list, I, if I post a question about positive dog training, I will get some incredible people stepping up and saying, hey, did you try this? Did you read this? Did you look at this? I have shelves full of positive training dog books yeah. I can go to and flip to and find out an answer. Whereas the horse stuff is uh, uh, largely much more traditional. But I do think that that safety element might be one reason it's also a little slower to catch on. Because, yeah. you know, you get mugged by a horse for a treat. Um, you might get turned off positive horse training instead of thinking, wait a minute, I probably set up the antecedent in a way that the horse believes that that was the thing it should be doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that's so hard is that negative reinforcement isn't done that well. You know, if, if you carry your whip and you ride with your spurs, then the automatic reaction when the horse doesn't do what you want is to escalate the pressure so quickly that the, there's mm -hmm. a lack of clarity in it. And I, I think that if we thought about that and then thought, well, actually, positive reinforcement isn't as difficult as we think it might be. But, you know, it, it's a whole different world. And, and yeah, uh, that neatly brings me round to your interest in moving people to a, a growth mindset which i know is really important to you and you know that came across very much in your presentation at the conference and i i just every time i hear you or see something that you post on facebook i i just think you have such a lovely way uh, of putting things so yeah what do you feel are the benefits of that growth mindset and, and how on earth are we going to start to to bring that to the general horse public? You know, is it something that you've always had or have you had to work so hard at it yourself? Oh my gosh, I have worked so hard. It's so lovely to hear that I might get it right sometimes. <laughs> because really, truly, you know, um, I've said this quite publicly before, I was very angry as a young person um, for lots of good reasons, as many people have. But anger was my go-to feeling, right? If I wasn't sure what else to feel, I felt angry. And so moving into growth mindset, which is now I feel curious. So even if I feel the least little bit of anger, I'll think, why am I feeling that? And I think curiosity, I mean, this isn't what the gurus, the experts would tell you, but it's certainly my personal belief that the um, if you can take 
a growth mindset where, where you say, I can't do this. And instead you say, I can't do it yet. Or um, I'm going to look to others for all of the answers in that sort of fixed mindset. And instead you might say, I'm going to look within myself. So, so why do I feel this way? Why is this happening? How can I be curious about these things that are causing me stress? Because, you know, one of the things I find is I think people think that positive trainers and people who are embracing a growth mindset have to be wooey, that it can't possibly be real. And I'm about the least wooey person I know, right? Like I just, I'm very grounded, very, we live on a big farm with many, many animals. I don't have time to be wooey, quite honestly. And no offense to people who are highly spiritual and love their beads and mandalas. I think it's fabulous. It's just not me. So as we go ahead towards this growth mindset thing, we really need to remember, you know, to embrace that sense of curiosity and, and think about, so this has happened, how can I reframe this? So when I get angry now, instead of being like, I'm angry and I'm going to be angry until I'm not angry anymore, I think, why was I feeling that anger? Why did I get mad when the horse smashed into me and running out? I had a horse get loose last night in the pitch black and he's a pitch black horse and he's wearing a black sheet and it's rainy and wet and he's he's got some stuff going on so he really needed to spend the night in which he doesn't love but but he does but i had forgotten to double latch the door and he can open up the door because he's smart and he's positively trained so he's curious too so he's out in the pitch black and i'm running around with a flashlight and he heard me and the dear old man came running back to the barn but he bumped into me and my go-to response was, oh, I'm glad he's safe. But then I was like, you jerk running into me. And then I thought, why did you run into me? Well, I couldn't see you. So odds are good you couldn't see me. I'm wearing a dark green raincoat. Okay, right? And in the old days, I probably would have picked up my hand and given him a thump on the side. Hey, buddy, I was here. You've got a better nose than me. You should have been able to smell me, right? And, and just to take that little moment and change it from looking outwardly to express my emotion onto something else to look inwardly and be curious why did i feel that oh this is why i felt that yeah it was a little bit scary he's he's a 17 to off the track thoroughbred he's a big athletic boy even with his health issues right oh goodness catch my breath he's already safe in the barn i'll go put him in my stall in a second when i've calmed down <sighs> breathe ground myself, go in, grab a lead shank, and all I have to do, well, half the time I can use my hand, but if I put a lead shank on their neck, they'll follow me anyway, right? So I put a lead shank across the top of his neck, and he immediately walks into a stall, you know, and I just thought, oh, there's just such a tiny little moment where mm, a growth mindset made all the difference, right? I walked up to the house laughing and appreciating him instead of storming up to the house being, oh, he nearly ran me over. I could have broken a bone. I might have gotten, you know, da-da-da. Yeah. I'm so stupid for not double latching the door. I just laughed and said, oh, well, there's a good reminder to double latch the door. Oh, so yeah. I think when you've got that fixed mindset, you know, you don't think I messed up. You try to think, what am I going to do to make it different next time, right? Yeah. You really start to see mistakes as information. Uh, instead of just being an error or something to frustrate you, you think, I got information from that. How can I now use this information the next time? So it becomes a real um, scaffolding forward, a real laddering up of how to get better. I want to be the best me I can be. The best me I am today might not be better than the best me I was yesterday. I might have had other opportunities to be a slightly better self. But if my end goal is always to be my best, best self, and I can accept that I am being my best self 
as I'm able to be right now, you know, that's, that's a really affirming, really positive thing that can help open up a growth mindset for sure. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just amazing because I'm thinking straight away of how we approach positive reinforcement training with a horse and how we're looking for errorless learning. Not that we have no errors, but that we stop looking at the errors and compounding them and look at why they might happen and try to prevent them happening the next time. Um, and it's so, I see this with so many people with animals. I think it's almost the, the lack of control that we can have and giving that up is, is hard for people. And then there, it's easy if you think of your scenario last night, you know, to, to whack your horse and say, oh, you stupid idiot, you know, why did you bash into me? And I just love the way you turned that around, even though it, you know, sort of it catches your breath you you think straight away into ah oh, maybe I should have double latched the door or maybe I should have done xyz you don't instantly blame the animal and I think for some of us and I know this was the case for me many many years ago I did blame the animal and I found it really frustrating it was my lack of ability I wasn't a great trainer you know who is and very few people just born great trainers and so that inability sometimes it, it makes you you know you catch yourself on the back foot and you're angry and then you feel so bad that you don't want to go and train with your horse again don't you you know it's so exactly difficult. guilt and shame are such limiting feelings so yeah. when we start to feel guilty or we start to feel shame you know I tell people all the time, go and apologize, go and apologize to your horse, go and apologize to your dog. Maybe they don't understand the words, but, but if you are feeling badly about it, let go of that hurt, right? And the best way to do that is to actually make the apology. So if, if you don't think they're going to listen to you or you don't want to say it to them because you feel that's a little too wooey for you, maybe I'm wooier than I thought, you know, <laughs> write it down in a letter, just write, dear Biggs is the horse's name. Dear Biggs, I'm so sorry that I got cross when you bashed into me. I really didn't mean to call you an ugly jerk <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, I didn't last night, but but I would have apologized to him had I, right? Had I been another best self me and, and reacted differently, I would have apologized to him, you know? And I think that that's such a, the heart of the issue, Trudy, is that, you know, and, and one of the reasons that positive training in Canada, um, if we look at it as um, aligned with, or I, I don't even want to say aligned with, associated with the natural horsemanship movement, right? And some of those specific trainers who are not positive trainers, but the people who don't have the skills to understand, see them as the same, right? Yeah. That, that, that there's this feeling that, you know, those people, I'm one of them, those people are actually afraid to ride. And that's what they're doing, right? They're hiding their fear and shame and, and all of those things by doing this weird groundwork stuff instead of understanding that what they're actually doing is laying in the positive training world, not necessarily some of the natural horsemanship stuff, but in the positive training world, they're laying a really nice foundation so that I'm, if I'm out on my cute little buckskin pony out back, and she loves to hack. She'll just go miles and miles and miles. She's a super trooper. And she'll just, if some, somebody loses cows around here, they'll ask me to go back with Cork and look for them because she'll go through anything to find them, right? Muck and, right? She just loves it. But if I drop my reins and say, whoa, she will just stop instantly, ears alert, wondering what, why I've cued her. 
and wait for it, right? And that's because of miles and miles and miles of very successful groundwork doing exactly that. Yes. So, you know, um, uh, I tried, I put, I put someone else on her because she loves to go for a hack so much. And I forgot how much positive training I'd done and it was maybe not the most successful hack ever. We came back to the barn quite quickly because she was quite horrified. What are you doing touching my mouth? I am going to pull and I am going to pull very strongly. It was quite funny. But, oh, um, interesting. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think, I think that that guilt and shame, if we can let go of it, I guess to circle back around, if we can let go of that guilt and shame and say, there's this opportunity, here's what I've learned. I can do better today. I can be a slightly better self today in this area than I was yesterday because I can plan to, I don't want to, yeah, I can plan to move forwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's so important. And I think one of the things for me when I'm thinking about horse training is I'm always saying to people plan and, and particularly thinking of having um, a flow plan where, you know, if A happens, great, there's my circuit of behavior, I can keep training that and I can shape it. But what if x happens what if my horse walks away from me or he doesn't listen or my cues don't work or or whatever my reinforcer isn't reinforcing today and just thinking through those things beforehand so that when they happen to you you're not stuck looking like the rabbit in the headlights don't know what to do and i think the same yes. for me having a, a plan of of maybe how if i feel like that maybe i should just stop training today you know if i feel guilt or if i feel angry maybe that i should just stop and do you th do you think there's some merit in that andrea just having knowing where the hundred yeah a hundred percent if you if you can have an alternate track so if i go down so so i'll tell you about another horse if you don't mind i have a great big gray here his name is harry he is my heart and soul. If Sally is my canine heart and soul, he is my equine heart and soul. Oh. He's another huge Percheron thoroughbred mix. Um, he was a dressage horse in his early life, then he was a hunt horse, and then he came to me. And his nickname when he arrived here was Mr. Neurotic. If you brought him into the barn, he would stand and pee off on the cross ties and drip with sweat. Blacksmith said to me, I tried to do him at his last farm and I would not do him. I mean, he was really whammed. And there were so many days, Trudy, because he's quite lovely to ride. There were so many days when I'd walk out thinking I would hop on him and he would just be wound and I would be anxious myself and I think oh I guess today we're going to work at standing at a mountain block and we would stand at a mountain block for 20 minutes and he would spin circles around me and I would do all my breathing exercises and my grounding exercises and my zen stuff and he would literally spin for 20 minutes and he would stop and I would pat him and put him away and the people at the barn I was at then because we didn't have the farm would say to me you didn't ride him. And I'd say, no, I didn't. I chose not to. I realized I wasn't in there. But, but you ride him so beautifully. and He's so lovely. And he needs to learn. And I'd say, well, he learned more from that and me not riding him and listening to him than he would have from anything else. Yeah. And, and that for them was just like the, the open eyes and people would be like, oh, you know, he, you thought he'd be too much for you. No, I didn't actually think he'd be too much for me at all. I was, I'm, I would, as a youth, I was a crazy rider. I'd ride anything, right? Uh, no, that, that wasn't really the issue there, guys. I, I made a very conscious decision to do what I felt was right for the two of us in that moment. You know, Bob Bailey and his Think, Play, and Do. 
Yeah, of course. So I have added steps to that in my own mental track. So we start with our think because Bob's a guru and a God and I love him to pieces, right? So we've got think, but then I want to dream. So you think and you figure out what you want to do, then dream. What is the very best thing you want to do? What's, what's the coolest thing you can do? Then plan. Where am I at? Do I need some process goals, some little internalized goals to get there? Do I need an outcome goal? Do I want to go to a show or go to a clinic or have a lesson or do something for someone else? And then believe that you can do it. Next, right? Don't go straight from planning to doing. Spend a little bit of time in that space where you believe that this plan is going to work and then go and do it. But that doesn't end it, right? After you do it, reflect. How did it work? Did it get you where you want to go? Do you need to make some adaptations? Are you ready to step forward? Or should you circle back around? So then adapt your plan if you need to and go all the way back to the beginning of that think, dream, plan, believe, do and then reflect again, right? And if we can add those extra steps in between, I mean, think, plan, do is lovely because it's so easy to remember. But if we can add that reflection and dreaming and, and imagining and visualizing, that's when we can really embrace this growth mindset and take advantage of all of those lovely little steps along the way. Yeah, that's fantastic, Andrew, because, you know, part of all this, especially for the listener, I think is going to be, how do I begin to change myself? And having just those little ideas of how they can do that, I think can be really helpful. But I do want to circle back, talking about circling back for a, a very quick <laughs> always. moment. Always with me, I'm sorry, I go down <laughs> so many rabbit holes. <laughs> no, no, it's good, rabbit holes are absolutely brilliant. But I'm, I'm thinking about that attitude at a lot of barns or here in the UK at, at your livery yard, uh, and a lot of my clients are actually on private properties because I think they just don't deal with the yeah. attitude that you get in a livery yard. Um, but that's such a hard thing because you've got that very fixed mindset of people assuming that not riding means you're not competent, you're not brave. There's this idea that you need to be brave. So how do we deal with that for those people who are listening who might think well that's all right for Andrea she's on her farm she can do what she likes now you know how do you get over the attitude of people and, and it's not just on in your barn it can be on Facebook and Instagram mm -hmm. you get this you know people looking at you like well yeah you're not real you're not really doing this can we get <laughs> any way yeah. you know is there any way to help the listener who who is struggling with people around them like that yeah, absolutely. And you know, the best thing I've ever sort of embraced, internalized on this is that lovely, lovely quick thought, what someone else thinks of you is none of your business. So pe people need, pe we are not going to change what someone else thinks of us directly. We can model, you know, I think anyone who takes the time to actually stop and watch a, a good positive horse trainer, or even a learning positive horse trainer work with their horse um, can really like they can really see they're like oh this is actually organized reflective 
um, moving forwards. For them, it might not be as exciting as going out and jumping a cross-country course. An old eventer, I mean, you know, very little <laughs> takes away from that, right? I loved going out and doing my cross or, or chasing. I used to chase the school buses down the road as part of my fitness training, for, which kind of horrified my mom, so I had to stop. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I did that, you know, and, and so they might not appreciate um, the beauty of the moment, but they are going to eventually see that you are actually working constructively and working forward, you know? And I think that really we have to remember that we sometimes need to accept that we are not the same as everybody else. And there's a beauty in that. There's a wonder in that. Um, and in the horse world, particularly right now, we are, mm, I'm trying to think of a, good comparison but we, we're leading the way right we're, we're very much leading the charge in the positive horse world and so we're going to be seen as very different and very unique and we can reframe that you get the nasty comment at the barn and we can reframe that right into it's a shame they don't know more about it because I think their horse would really benefit from it. What it, And I often do this when I run up against someone with a really fixed mindset who is being very negative to or about me. And I will think to myself, I, I and I actually do, and I don't like the to feel pity, but I really do feel sorry for people who can't understand why a growth mindset is a good thing. I really do feel sorry for people whose first go-to is to gossip or to put down, right? And and so, but that that's heavy reframing. So for someone who is new to all of this, I would not say, so the next time someone says, oh, you're afraid to ride, you don't think to yourself, reframe, reframe, oh, it's a shame they don't understand me better. Practice your reframing in smaller steps, right? Break it down a little bit. Practice reframing when the light goes red and you're late for work and you immediately think, oh my gosh, it's everything's out to get me. Practice reframing there. Wait a minute, that light's on a timer and I know that, right? Practice those little tiny reframes in other situations because then the big things that mean a lot to you are easier to reframe, right? Practicing always helps us, yeah. you know. Um, remind yourself too of what I call my rule of five, which is just that, you know, you can think, is that going to be difficult in five minutes, five hours? five weeks, five months, five years. And, and most of the time that comment, yeah, of course it'll still sting in five minutes. But if it's some kid at the barn who knows better and is what I might call a Yahoo anyways, like in five months, they may have stopped riding. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. they may have been done. They may have gotten themselves so scared they've given right up or they may have decided to go off with some boy and make babies. I don't know. So, so, you know, the rule of five can be a very useful tool when people are being what you might, you might choose to um, feel is hateful in the moment. You know, yeah. the only thing we can control are our own thoughts and it's well worth investing a little bit of time in thinking about how you are thinking about other people's thoughts. And if you're giving them a lot of weight, I mean, they don't deserve it. They're, they're not worth that kind of weight. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad that the, uh, the rule of five came out because that's something that I picked up from your presentation and I just loved it. I, I've heard it before and it passed me over. I obviously wasn't ready to really absorb that, but I was like, yeah, that's so, so true. If you can just start thinking it hurts right now, but, 
but you know in five hours it will be not important or at least in five days it won't be important i, I it's it's a really great place to go to cut yourself a bit of slack and think hey okay stop panicking it's not as bad as you think it is yeah um, yeah yeah, and we carry so much weight, right, for other people. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all think that we're the one in the movie. The movie is always about us, that spotlight effect. The movie is always going to be about us. So we presume that the people around us have cast us as the main character in the movie. But we're all just main characters in our own movie. So even if someone at the barn says something ridiculous to you, I mean, they probably get in their car and drive away and don't give it another thought. But if they've made that ridiculous comment to us because we care so much about being positive and being seen, you know, trying to help the horses of the world, not just our own horses and all of those things, we take so much of the burden for that onto us that, you know, we really need to remember the growth mindset is just, they're not ready yet, right? Is, isn't it a shame they have such a fixed mindset? I, I probably think that six times a day isn't it a shame they have some media will cut me off in the parking lot right they'll go whipping into a spot that i thought looked pretty obvious oh what a shame they have such a fixed mindset and i'll just cruise on by you know yeah it, it takes some doing though doesn't it andrea for, oh for those very people, active yeah for those people who struggle and get very angry very quickly it does take time and you know even if you're just making slight inroads into your attitude in that growth mindset i think it's you know it's well worth pursuing it and not ignoring it and um, one thing i do think is really tough as well in the positive world not only are we up against the, the negative comments about you don't ride your horse or you take so much time to do things or you're giving your horse food and bribing it you've also got <laughs> the, the super positive people on the other side who are trying to and you alluded to this earlier on oh, who are yeah. trying to be pure positive force free completely which we all aspire to but is so hard to actually do in the real world and they can be quite um, sort of crushing to people who are just starting out. So your advice presumably is the same. Just try to, you know, put them out of your mind and not worry about what they're thinking about you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the other thing I'm going to remind you of, if that's happened to any of uh, the listeners today, if there are any listeners today, because who'd listen to me? They'll all be listening to you, Trudy, right? <laughs> Imposter syndrome shows up everywhere. But, um, but, you know, the other thing I would say to anyone who's listening and thinking that is, you know, remember, positivity, shh, I don't like the word should, positivity ideally is about everyone right? So if someone is on the positive training path in horses and is being so negative about someone behind them, I'm going to suggest to you that they're not nearly as purely positive as they might be pretending they are. Because if you can't embrace positivity in a holistic, global sense, mm -hmm. I'm going to suggest perhaps they aren't doing exactly what they would be telling you that you should be aspiring to do right you know positive training is not doesn't live in a silo i don't think and i think that this is a huge issue in the states in dog training right because there are so many positive dog trainers in north america not just the states but they're positive in their dog training and they are so completely not positive anywhere else and i think that's where they're missing a growth mindset lots of those positive people have a very fixed mindset positive training, positive training, and everything else in their life is really fixed. And I think that that's a real shame because truly 
positive training, would embrace the general uh, tenets of positivity. And I mean, positivity generally makes us healthier, makes us happier, um, helps us get along better with people, helps us teach the people better. I mean, study after study after study, I like the science stuff, right? Shows that being truly positive in all elements of life makes a huge difference to us personally, as well as to the people we interact with. And it is hard work. And I think a lot of people are afraid of working that hard. And that's maybe why they get stuck in their silo or making the crack back to someone who's not as far along on the journey as they are. Yeah. And that's tough when you're starting out, I think. I oh. know when, when I first started and I, I had a small child and seeing her interactions with other children and everything really brought home to me how it had to be applied in life in general, that you can't just pick this out and apply it to animals. I know there are many people who train dogs positively, but then they don't train their horses positively. Mm -hmm. so when they make that leap between the two, they're like, wow, I hadn't really thought about why I wasn't applying it to my horses. So, you know, applying it to people is is really really important and um yeah i i think people just have to sometimes ignore those hurtful comments and look at looking other places i think there are lots of positive groups out there that you can join you don't have to join the ones where people are you know having a go at you for not being positive enough uh, it's it's a, a journey we're all on i hate that journey word but it's true you know we're all taking a path that is ours and we're getting there as well as we can and in the time that we can manage to do that a hundred percent a hundred percent you know that positive role models that you brought up it's so important if we can find positive role models for the things that we want to learn, you know, and think about, is this positive role model, like, is that a trainer that you want to pick two things from and not uh, ask questions of, right? Because if they aren't truly positive, if they aren't embracing the philosophy behind positive training, if they're just doing positive training rather than embracing the theory, like, you know, that probably is not someone who's going to be able to teach you as well as they think they are. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble, Trudy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, they may not be listening, so that's okay. But Let's I, hope not. <laughs> but I do, I do want people to come to this from a wider audience because I think if you can begin to understand that opening your mind to other ways, and uh, there are certain aspects of natural horsemanship, for instance, that I'm I'm not impressed by, and mm -hmm. but but I think, as you say, there are some things that you can take from a lot of areas and to put them together in a in you that that makes you a very individual person where you're trying to keep your your mindset so open but always thinking about yeah what's best for your animal you know the animal that you're working with do you think that we are going to struggle going forwards more and more with the amount we rely on social media you know in this lockdown in the pandemic or we're in lockdown in the uk again at the moment another week of that yeah um, but you know are is it going to be so much harder because we're all doing stuff online and we're seeing other people do stuff and thinking wow you're so brilliant at it you know, i never saw positive horse feeders um, positive horse trainers in my feeds on facebook and instagram hardly ever i was you know one or two friends maybe now it it's i'm inundated with it and it yeah. whilst it's fantastic i'm just you know, interested if you think that that's a good thing that we're seeing all these positive people out there 
showing what they do or can it make us feel a bit inadequate if we're not out there doing it ourselves oh such a good good point of course yeah it's wonderful on the one hand but absolutely it can be um it's so social media is so artificial right most people curate what they put on social media extremely carefully so you know as long as you can be open to the idea that people tend to want to understandably show their best selves, right? That, that, and much of social media, like Instagram, I think will only show you 17 seconds of a video in the feed, right? So that even if someone is trying to show you the minute and a half of training that they did, unless they move it into IGTV or onto a reel, you're only going to catch 17 seconds of that. And if it happens to be the best 17 seconds of the session, you're not even going to know that that person was like, yes, it didn't work as well as I wanted. So I wanted to show you this. So absolutely. I think we want to, to remind ourselves to have our eyes wide open, curate your feeds carefully, select trainers who you actually are looking up to and admiring, but not people who make you feel badly about the journey that you're on, you know? Yeah. Um, people who use humor can be really helpful to follow, right? There are some good people who will use some humor about their own journey. You know, I use a thing every time I post on social media, every time. So going back to your early comment about my posts, I run through a little acronym that's called think. So I think before I post and I want to know, I shouldn't say every time, 99% of the time I remember <laughs> every once in a while I, I fail. I, I am human, but you know, is this thing I'm posting true? Is it helpful? Is it invited? So on my wall, anything goes. It, I, I, it's my wall, anything goes. But elsewhere, is this thing invited? Is it necessary and is it kind? So if all I was doing was showing you me in my gold tiara and my ball gown on the lawn with my horse looking absolutely perfect, blowing kisses underneath the rainbow, I would run through my think model and I would say, well, that no, that probably is not going to be really a useful thing to post. But I think a lot of people post on social media for reasons that are different to me. So, you know, remember again, if you run up against one of those posts where it makes you feel like a failure you know failure is going to happen and it's okay to feel inadequate incompetent under stress it's okay to feel those things and by acknowledging by noticing that we feel that way we can actually learn from it right so we notice how we feel we let ourselves feel we select the tools that we want to use to overcome this thing, this, this feeling, this emotion, this sense of inadequacy, rather than saying, okay, I'm never going to be able to teach my horse to roll a ball across the arena from the beginning to the end of the arena through the goalposts that move every time I move it. So I'm just going to go back to bed and I'm not even going to try. We think, oh my gosh, I wonder how I would ask somebody, how long did it take you to teach your horse that? How many times, how many horses have you taught that? Um, have you ever had a horse who was afraid of that ball? Like how long did that take to get over? Right? Like go ahead and ask if, if you see something like that and you're curious, take that sense of failure and reframe it back to that curiosity we were talking about. What questions do you have? How can that person who was brave enough or, or whatever enough to post that 
How can they help you get there themselves if that's something you want to do? Use your social media. You don't have to just like it and move on. You can ask them a question. And if they don't answer your question, you can decide, do I still want to follow them or not? Social media is supposed to be about a dialogue. It's supposed to be about an interaction. So if people are posting it just to feel better about themselves, I don't think they deserve to have you following them. Oh, Angie, that, that is just, forget horses, forget positive reinforcement. That is just fantastic social media advice because I, I try always to think, you know, what do I want the outcome to be? And that's a little bit like your THINK acronym. And, and yeah. I think it is so helpful to us to see what in the future, what if that person leaves and doesn't bother posting anymore? Is that what you really wanted to achieve from what you said? But the, you know, the way you reframed those questions in a curious manner, you know, how did you do this? And you know, where did you go after this? Or how many times did you have to have a go at doing it before you got it right? And has it been the same for all your horses? They're great questions and you're going to learn stuff from them. Whereas if you shut that person down, you never get to learn anything from them. Uh, so I, I'm just really blown away with that. I think that is such great advice. Well, good. I'm glad because it was a great question. And I, um, I was sort of mentally, I thought we might touch on social media, but I hadn't expected quite that question, but I had an immediate moment where I pictured a thing that I saw and I was like, oh man, I could never do that. And I, I sort of rolled over and then I thought, no. And you know, truly, truly, a good instructor wants to help people, right? And it doesn't take that long to say, oh, this is, it took me 12 times. Do you want to know more? Take my course, right? That's fine. I don't mind if that's the answer. But yeah, you know, if, if they're posting it, they should be willing to engage in a conversation. Yeah, that, I, that's, that's so, so good. Uh, I wonder how you feel about us as educators, because uh, I know that some people who listen to the podcast are like us. They're training other people uh, to uh, train their own horses. How can we help them to get these things across? Um, things like your uh, THINK acronym, I think, are really important tools to be able to use are there any other ways that you think or should we just all come and study with andrea because i think that's, <laughs> definitely, that's definitely a thing that we should all do um, um we'll, we'll put some resources out i'll ask you a little bit more about that in a moment but you know uh, is there a framework that you can pin this on if you're an educator of people and their horses do you think yeah well i would just say and i i mean i would say it's okay to only be half a chapter ahead of your students, right? So, so if you think that, if this resonates with you and you think, oh my gosh, you know, uh, Andrea really needs to learn this growth mindset stuff. Well, start learning a little bit about it yourself because we, we teach so much better when we walk hand in hand with our students. Mm -hmm. so, so if you are curious about it yourself, that's great start doing some of the work and literally you can be you know two page two pages ahead in the book right if there was a book or one podcast ahead or you know and and really when we want and i think being explicit about it is something that was missing from an awful lot of my early work in this area because it, people perceived it as wooey and as i say like it doesn't have to be wooey at all and you can actually say you know, this grounding stuff I'm working on, 
I have said this to many people who are struggling with horses at the mounting block. The rounding work I do, absolutely, here's the positive training way. But for me personally, can you stand on a mounting block and be calm and relaxed? And if you can't do that without a horse in front of you, you're not going to be able to do it with a horse in front of you. So go and try doing your own work. And I'll send students over, go stand on the mountain block for a second. And they'll get on the mountain block and you can see that they cannot relax. And I'm like, so you expect your horse to stand beside you relaxed when you're not relaxed, right? So by breaking it down, right? Doing that really, what I think critical educational thing of really knowing where your end goal is not, not, the big dream but your end goal is for that time you're working together and then breaking backwards breaking down those steps as to how you can get there right is really oh, useful fantastic advice andrea i think that's uh, something that's missing for a lot of us we got into training horses we loved horses and then we realized that a lot of the work we do actually involves working with people most <laughs> is that sad <laughs> yeah yeah, that, that's amazing. So um, those of us that are educators, but also anyone who's listening, really, where do we go to find resources about what you're doing right now? Because I see a lot of stuff you didn't mention uh, in, in your initial presentation about what, what you do with Fenzi, for instance, because I know you're, you're again running courses with Fenzi. Uh, you know, what are you up to, Andrea, and where can we catch up with you and find out you know, the latest Andrea stuff? Yeah, so I um, do teach for the Fenzi Dog Sport Academy, and I often have a horse person or two sneak into my classes there, which is great. I have wholly embraced that. A uh, horse person was in the second class ever I taught there, and we haven't been very open about them, but they're, they're often there, um, and I love it. Um, I also, so FenzyDogSportAcademy.com, I think it is, and my course in December is actually... Uh, called Unleash Personal Potential, and it is just about being your best self. So it, it covers a lot of this in great, great detail. Um, I also have been working um, with a group called the Heart Collective, and it's all capital H-E-A-R-T Collective. Um, can be e most easily found on Facebook. Uh, we've done a webinar series called the Alphabet Album, which was just about raising some voices of people who hadn't been heard. So that was one of my big fall projects. Um, AndreaHarrison.ca, I will check out, make sure it's up to date, the services um, area that I have. Um, yeah, I, I do lots and lots of different things. I like it. I've got a little book. Oh, gratitude. We never even got a chance to talk about gratitude, Trudy. We should meet oh, up, up again and talk can... about gratitude. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> gratitude is huge, huge, huge part of all the work that I do for a bunch of different reasons. Um, I've got a gratitude workbook that people can... Um, uh, buy to help them connect more to whatever animal partner they have, whether it's a dog or a horse that was written for both. Yeah, um, yeah so I've, I've got lots of stuff. Oh, and on Facebook, I'm um, the, whatever they call it, the owner, the administrator of a group called Planning and Organizational Skills for Horse and Dog Sport Trainers or animal, if planning an organization. I'm fairly easy to find on Facebook because my um, maiden name is quite unique. It's Andrea Verup, spelt V as in Victor, A-R-E-P as in Peter Harrison. I am the only one of me on Facebook. Um, and I have lots and lots of Facebook friends. So if anybody wants to friend me, if they're friends with you or have a horse or dog in your profile picture, I will accept their friend request. Yeah, well, and, then, and then people some... can find me. 
yeah yeah I, I will put all that in the show notes so that people can pick up and i will also do a post when this one comes out which is i'm hoping to be a nice positive one that will come out um during december so not long now um to get that one up edited and up Lovely. i'm asking all my guests um a final wrap question and you know for you uh, the piece of advice that i'd like you to give is yeah, where where do you start on the on that ladder of discovering this positive mindset? Is it by coming to somebody like you and taking courses? Is there a a life change book that you or a film or is there any any way that you would point somebody? What direction would they head in to to get themselves started with this? Oh wow, that's a really good question. Uh, you ask good questions other people have never asked me, Trudy. <laughs> um, I think if anyone who is listening to this has not watched, I think it's called, uh, the, the YouTube channel is RSA, I think, and they posted a little animated short of Ben A. Brown talking about empathy versus sympathy. And I think if you did nothing else, if you spent two and a half minutes and watched that little short of Ben A. Brown discussing the, that concept, I think that would probably open almost anyone's heart a tiny little bit and give you a chuckle too. You know, I really think that, um, I have a thing I call myself self-help rant, and that is that no guru in the world is going to be able to help everyone. So what gurus tend to do is build people up uh, tear people down in order to build them back up in their own image, right? That to, to, to get them using their tools. And I am by no means a guru. I, I think there are thousands of different tools. So what works well for me might work well for you, but it might not. And if it doesn't work well for you, I'll help you find a tool that works well for you, even though it doesn't work for me, right? And so I think that to have a one singular answer for, you know, this is the solution book is not going to work for this growth mindset stuff because it depends on where you are, where you want to start. But absolutely, you know, listening to the podcast, um, Google my name and podcasts. I've talked about many of sort of the key principles of this, both with Hannah Brannigan, um, and we do, don't really just sit and talk about dog training and with the Fenzy Dog Sport Academy. And again, I don't, I mean, dogs might be the examples there, but of course people are smart. They can definitely translate. Um, I have a blog that might be actually my blog. If you, if you go to my website and type growth mindset into the search in my blog, I have lots and lots and lots of stuff there that includes links to different books and different YouTube videos that people might say, Oh, that sounds interesting. And then they could chase that down themselves. And in fact, I truly will commit to blogging about this podcast because it was wonderful and I'll put some links in my blog for you about that too so people can probably be the most recent blog because I only get to my blog about once a month so read the latest blog by the time you hear this and I'll, I'll have some more for you there oh, that, that's amazing Andrea thank you so much and you know there are a few seeds there that I think I'd love to um, take up on another one at some point. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, you know, I really, I'd love to know all about Sally and, and how you um, got on in, in filming Saving Dinah. It just sounds like, you know, that that's something that, oh, I can't get my head around you, you doing something like that. It must be so hard. Um, it was amazing. And it was really cool because, um, you know, just to, to digress for a sec, the smoke machine guy had done tons of movies with animals, I guess, whatever. And he said to me, 
your dog is the only dog I've ever met where the trainer took the time to walk over on break and introduce them to the smoke machine and puff a little bit and you did you fed her some treats and she was like perfect with it and I was like that's called positive training dude <laughs> and he was like but it was amazing I'm going to tell everybody they need to make time for the animal to meet the smoke machine first yeah, yeah. That's yes. important, isn't it? oh that that's yeah. utterly amazing thank you so much for spending time with me today Andrea and I know that my audience are going to absolutely love this one and for me there's so much more I want to find out I'm going to definitely try and line myself up for some Andrea courses in 21 because I think it's it's an essential uh, so I'm gonna hit the uh, the end on the record button there Andrea so thank you so much for being with us thank you thank you take care Trudy thanks for listening to the podcast Make sure you don't miss an episode by following Leader Holster Water on your favourite podcast platform. Don't forget to check out all the courses at understandhorses.com and until the next episode, stay safe and enjoy being with your horse.